Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast, Journeys of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and I am so excited to dive into astrology, the planets, signs, retrogrades, Venus, all the magic that is available to us when we sink into our birth chart with astrologist Caitlin Montgomery. So Caitlin is reflected in her natal chart with Pluto conjunct her son. Caitlin's life is a continuous process of transformation and self-renewal. She has learned to own this about herself and uses her sensitivity and depth to support others on the path to self-knowledge and awakening. Oh, I love that. She is a former school teacher and now yoga instructor and astrologer. She is a mom to be three beautiful children who are her biggest teachers. Beautiful. Welcome, Caitlin. So Thank happy you. to have you. Is there anything that you want to add to the bio? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait to get into Pluto and what that means in your chart. But first, let's start with a little bit about your story and how you've gotten here. And I am not all about, but I love going into the, the dark nights of the soul, the healing journeys that healers go on. Um, because oftentimes when we're looking out in the world, it all looks like, oh, love and light. They've gotten to where they've been, you know, meant to be just, just happened so perfectly for them. And it's not that at all. We're, we are on this constant healing path of dark nights of the soul, descending into the underworld, rising like Persephone. And so just for you, what has the journey been that has got you to this moment right here, right now? Mm, beautiful question. And thank you so much for asking and giving me this opportunity to share my story. Um, you know, we'll go into Pluto later, but Pluto is the Lord of the underworld. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I really connect so deeply to the energy of, you know, personal transformation. And, you know, in order to transform, you, for, you need to there needs to be a death of, of what was um, in order to have a rebirth and to live in authenticity. So, um, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Um, I went through this. So this is all related to my Saturn return, which I've learned astrology more recently. Um, but it's been so interesting to reflect back on my story and find the connections between the transits that were going on for me and what was showing up in my life. Um, I think that's part of why I'm so passionate about astrology and reading charts for people because I felt, um, especially my Saturn return in such a huge way, it changed my life. Um, so I was, so your Saturn return happens, you know, around the age of 29, 30. Um, and we always start, I always start readings with finding the exact date and pulling it up. Um, for me at that time, I was, I'd been married for three years. I was a school teacher and I was living um, my life just in a very ordinary way. I think I um, always been very sensitive. And as many of us do, as I grew older, wanted to fit in. Um, I disconnected with parts of myself um, that you're in for something deeper. And I experienced three miscarriages in a row. Um, I've always wanted to be a mom and I just pictured that I would have an easy experience. Um, and this really brought me to my knees, you know, and I know how common miscarriage is. So 
I went through so much pain um, with each one. I felt like I was losing a child. I really did. Um, and I think the hardest part, so my Saturn um, is in Scorpio and Saturn is associated with a life lesson or a karmic lesson that we have. And Scorpio is, you know, ruled by Pluto, some of those themes I talked about before, but really there's something around emotion and um, especially the more shadow emotions and, you know, like despair and grief and those things that we don't really talk about. Like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, we don't talk about those darker experiences that we go through. Um, there was this resistance for me to go into those states. I was so ashamed and I was truly um, embarrassed that I felt like there was something wrong with me. Um, and I was embarrassed to be vulnerable. I didn't want to share this with anyone. I didn't want anyone to know this about me. Um, but my Saturn, like I said, is in Scorpio, but it's also in the 10th house. So the house that your Saturn is, um, it's like there's a, a, a restriction or a delay in that area of life. And then it becomes, as we work through our, our lessons, our Saturn cycles um, throughout our life, it becomes an area of strength and mastery. Um, but mine being in the 10th house is about public. It's about your public image and about sharing. So when I went through this, I um, was going through this inner process where I didn't want to share with anyone. Um, but there was something in my soul that was telling me I needed to share. And I was so angry because I felt like there wasn't a space for me in our society to have my experience. Um, you know, I felt like it wasn't something I could talk about. Um, you know, those deeper experience, like, how are you doing? It's like, how am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm just beside myself. Um, so I kind of went through this process on my own. Um, and as I did, I turned towards my spirituality. So kind of when I hit that rock bottom, I bought um, so many books, you know, and I went to so many healers. Um, I did my first Reiki training when I was 12 years old, you know, and I've always been such a tuned in child. And then, like I said, I, I lost that part of myself and I forgot that part of who I am. Um, and the process of loss and of hitting rock bottom really had me going inward and looking at those bigger questions, like um, what happens to these little souls, you know, like, is there a reason for this? You know, I did testing with a fertility clinic and they couldn't find anything wrong or, or um, you know, a cause. So at that time I went to, you know, every healer imaginable really, like um, energy workers, um, acupuncturists, like angel card readers, literally anything you can think of, like Akashic Records. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of my remembrance of, of myself and of who I am. Um, so there's also a part of the story where I started to give too much of my power away to these people who knew the answers and, um, could tell me who I am and could tell me about my past life experiences. So I'm really conscious in my work today, um, that it really comes from the person and that, um, I'm really conscious of power dynamics because I feel like there's a lot of healers that will tell you who you are and tell you about your past lives. And, um, you know, they become the authority. And at least how I was um, approaching it, I was giving my power away. So I've really learned to pull that back in. And I believe that all of us have the ability to connect, um, you know, when we get quiet and when we go inwards, I really do. So 
that's been a part of it as well. Um, but I got a book. It's called Spirit Babies. Um, it's by Walter. I can't remember his last name, but I'll send it to you and you can add it in the notes. Um, and he had these specific, so he was, he's actually this priest and he was a, a psychic. So he was able to connect to these little souls that were coming in, you know, um, when people were trying to conceive or when they had gone through loss. And um, he was able to pull a lot of information about what was going on on the soul level. And so when I read that book, you know, at the end, he has lots of um, meditations, specifically using color that you can use to begin to connect yourself. You know, even if you're not pregnant, you start to call in that energy and that soul. Um, and sometimes, you know, it goes deep into the book, but there would be something where um, the soul was afraid to come based on something that they'd experienced and he was helping to clear some blockages for people and it had a lot of success. Um, so this kind of work was, you know, not at all anything I would have ever considered reading, you know, like a year prior. I started to do some of the meditations specifically with color. You know, at this time I'd been teaching yoga for probably um, five years. And so I did meditate and I did yoga and all those kinds of things, but this was in a different level. Um, and it was through this that I was able to start to connect myself, um, you know, to my angels and also to these little, those little souls that were coming in. And it was such a beautiful thing. It was really a turning point for me because I started to realize that I had the ability um, to connect and it wasn't necessarily through somebody else. Um, and then I had my oldest, so that was, she's eight now. So that was a beautiful, beautiful, you know, and I was so humbled because um, I also feel like it's given me so much gratitude for my children that if I had just had them automatically, um, I might've made some different decisions and not spend as much time with them or not um, taken advantage of our time together um, because I wanted so badly to be a mom. So I had my oldest daughter, which was just the most beautiful, um, like joyful thing in my life. And, um, you know, I, I realize now she is such a powerful little soul that I needed to change before she could come in. She needed me to change and open my heart um, before I was ready to be her mom, you know, so she helped me do that. And really she's, she's a manifester in, um, human design for those of you that know about human design. So she's really here to, you know, she's got a T squared Uranus in Aries. So in astrology, we can see it there, but it's like, it's this energy of the disruptor and the awakener. And that's what she is. And, and that's what she's been for me. So I'm just so grateful to her. You know, she definitely is spicy like she doesn't she's not easy to live with in some ways but she holds me accountable really um so so I had her and I kind of like my life was amazing I was so happy and I was like okay I, I've done the, I've done the dirty work you know I've now I'm just gonna have the life I want like I'm done with that stuff um I forgot to share as well oh yes no this is the next part so um then I was ready to have my second child um you know, I think I was two or maybe one and a half. We got pregnant and I lost the pregnancy. I was like, oh no, this, this is not how it's supposed to go. Like I did my, I did my, my work, started to connect and, you know, started to bring in gratitude practice and different living more consciously. And I thought that I should be given whatever I wanted. Um, so then I got pregnant again and I lost the baby again. Um, at this point I was just like, can, you know, what do I do? What do I do? 
And what kept coming to me so strongly was, um, you need to share. You need to share what you've gone through um, with other people. You know, and my Chiron. So Chiron is the wounded healer in astrology. Um, it's a placement that we, we have a pain point there. Um, and it shows up through some sort of experience. And mine's in Gemini, you know, it's generational. So anyone within a couple of years would be Gemini. But so Gemini is about um, communication and being heard. Um, but mine's also in the fifth house. So the fifth house is about creativity, um, children, right? So for me, it was like being heard around. There's a, there's, a, there's a wound there. It was around loss, the loss of children. And then my Saturn in the 10th house um, in Scorpio was like going into those deeper emotions and sharing about it publicly, which is so vulnerable um, to be seen like, oh, you know, we tend to keep things so light in our culture and not go into those deeper um, conversations that really help us to feel like we're not alone, you know, when you realize that other people go through things too. Um, so I kept getting that I need to share. So um, at this time I was teaching at uh, a yoga studio and I went to the owner who's been a good friend of mine for a long time and um, told her about my idea to create a workshop for women where we could come together and share our experience and um, find some healing together through yoga, through yoga nidra. Um, and just honestly, through being seen, through being recognized and, and through sharing and speaking our story and speaking our pain um, and realizing that we're not alone. And she was so supportive. Um, and so I did it. And um, it was some of the most um, fulfilling work I've ever done because I felt like it was truly like a soul calling. Um, and it was so beautiful. And I, so I did, I think it was like a four or six week workshop um, and quite a few people came. I think I did two or three um, sessions and the last one I became pregnant with my son. Um, so I, it was very vulnerable too because um, I was at the beginning stages, but uh, it all worked out and um, yeah. So that's it. And then, you know, then our third was there was a surprise. Oh, I love that. I love so much of what you shared there is so, so beautiful that like almost we go through our dark nights of the soul and it's like, okay, I did that. I did that. It's not going to come back. It's smooth sailing from here. And it's almost in my experience when we get comfortable that the universe is like, oh no, no, let's see how you handle this one. Like pulls the rug out from underneath you. And it, it almost invites that next layer. And I'm just curious with those two two miscarriages after your daughter is that correct yeah that you experienced? yeah did that teach you because you can see how clearly that taught you for when your oldest came earth side you know that you had to go through that like awakening so that you were um prepared to support her on on her journey mm -hmm. anything anything come from that with how you could support your son on his journey with those yeah, that's a really good question. So his middle name is Lion um, because he helped me find my lion heart and my courage. And that was through, you know, um, coming from a place initially of, of shame, of going through something um, where I felt, you know, such a taboo thing. It's not so much now, I think, but truly it was my beliefs about it that was causing me the most pain. Um, and so... Yeah, he just brought my courage, you know, 
up to the forefront. Yeah, beautiful. And and with that, like, shame of feeling those darker emotions, like the grief, all of um, of the shadow realms, we'll call it, it was so taboo back in the day to experience that or to own it and be out in society, like, I'm going through something really tough right now. Like, I'm not okay. It was almost like, no, you just put on a brave face and you soldier on and you look like you have it all together. And I think what's so powerful just with, with people sharing their stories and you sharing your stories and how healing that is for other women that have experienced that. It's like, we break those barriers down where it's like, actually it's an illusion to have it together all the time to be walking on cloud nine for the rest of our lives. This is truth. Like this is part of this human experience this is being human, you know? And so those stories I think are what give other women permission to be like, this is where I'm at and this is how I'm feeling and being seen and heard in all that. So it's such a gift yeah. to be able to share and open up and, and allow that space for others. So I love that yeah. with, um, the soul babies that, mm-hmm. um, didn't come earthside. And and by all means, you don't have to go into this at all. Mm -hmm. But what did that look like? Was it like communicating with them, kind of allowing their experience and their choices as to why they didn't come earthside? Was that available through that process? So what it was, was truly, you know, and I think part of this process has helped me realize, like, there's no answers. You know, there's no like, one's going to come and tell you, like, here's the reason and this is it. And they're, you know, full stop. Um, because, you know, too, though, everyone you go to is going to say something different. And then like every day it will change, right? There's just, it's all the context and um, kind of the channel it's coming through. But for me, it was, it wasn't like the specifics. It was more around connecting to energy. And so for myself, color has been um, a way that I personally can connect to um, you know the energies around us and visual, visually as well. So it really tapped me into this um, almost like a spiritual gift and ability to see, um, and then to sense too, like to sense and to feel energy as well. Um, and it just it, it's like that's been such a part of my life too um, to know, like truly know that I'm not alone, truly know that I'm supported, and just like going through the world always with that um, through my day-to-day. It's it's really part of my kids' life too um, because they're very connected. So it's I can see how that was so important for them, for me to understand. Yeah, and I love that. Like nobody's gonna tell you because nobody knows for certain, right? Like we live on this planet of unknown, but our human mind wants to know and define and be like, but then what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen next? And and all that like analyzing that can take place, but nobody can tell you. And it's not like this booming voice comes down yeah. from the heavens. And it's like, this is what, this is what's taking place. It's that inner knowing. So taking back your own power and authority and being like, this is the, you know, intuition or like hit that I've received. This is my yes. inner knowing. I trust my inner knowing as opposed to, and you spoke about it earlier on in your journey about going to all the healers, going to the psychics, Mm -hmm. going to the angel card readers, having somebody else project what was happening to you onto you. And the journey's really been about like sinking into your inner knowing and trusting 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, that word trust, like, um, you know, that's another piece of the Scorpio Saturn. But, you know, you said before getting the rug pulled out, like that was such a feeling of like, okay, like I can't trust. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get, you know, hurt or like, I can't trust life. That was a big thing. And then, and then, you know, you contract and you, you block yourself off from connection um, and from prana, right. From energy in the body. So that's been a big part of it too, is like learning that, um, you know, it's like, I had these plans in my mind about how it was going to go or how far apart my kids should be, you know, these shoulds, um, you know, when I should be getting pregnant and every time it didn't go that month, how I wanted, I would get more frustrated. And then I truly realized in this process that like, it always turns out better than you think. It always turns out better than you could plan in your in your limited vision, um, truly. So, you know, there's like this piece around trust, not that things bad things aren't going to happen to you, but just that like, you know, there's like that you're held, that you're supported and that there's a path for you. Um, and like even through the dark nights, like there's always something brighter on the other side. You know, it's just these cycles that we go through. Yeah. Yeah, it's that contraction and expansion and that death that has to take place for the new version of you to come in. And, you know, when we're in those dark nights of the souls or gone into a very heavy place, it can feel like we're all alone. And it's like, we're always so supported by our army in the unseen. So, so supported by goddess. It's just when we're in that, we oftentimes don't have our eyes open, our ears open to receive. And so hearing other people's stories is so powerful to be like, no, like just it's there. The support is there. Just how can you start to open yourself to receive it and feel that support that is unwavering, you know, that is always, always there with you. Um, And just with that touching like that, it's a remembering the whole process is a remembering. And in that dark night of the soul, it's like an excavation to remember who you truly are, like to unbecome all the pieces that were never yours to begin with. And there's yep. support with you in that if you're open to receive it. Mm. Absolutely. You know, and I think um, that's part of why I love going through charts because there's the transits that we go through. And it's like a reminder that you're going through something, but this is not forever. Because like you said, when you're in it, it's hard. Feels yeah. like forever sometimes. Feels like forever, so, yeah. Yeah. So what led you to to astrology? <laughs> okay, so good question. I, you know, this is like a fairly recent thing for me. This is something that I have been um, following for years, but always felt like it was complicated and there was too many layers and kind of just, yeah, following but not um, learning about it. And then last winter, um, I was homeschooling my kids um, you know, and I've done, I've done so many courses over the years, um, like tuning forks and sound healing and different types of energy healing. And I've used it on my kids and myself, but, um, not like bringing it out into the world and just not like feeling like that was the thing at this point. Um, so yeah, so I was homeschooling my kids last winter and, you know, um, I was spending my nights, you know, going through our lesson plans and curriculum and, um, like there's gotta be something more I need to study. I really, I felt like I needed to study. Um, and just like get into something myself. So, um, I was also going through another personal transformation and, um, there was part of me that was like, okay, why do you have to, you know, Caitlin, why do you have to be always on these journeys of transformation, you know, and just 
kind of like not accepting that part of myself um, and just kind of wishing that I was normal. And, you know, um, I was like, why can't I just like watch The Bachelor and keep things light and like do things? <laughs> but it's not who I am, you know? And so it has to do with, um, like I said, I referenced Pluto, you know, in my chart. So I got my chart read um, by an amazing astrologer and therapist. She does both great combo and you know it kind of became clear it was like okay this is this is who I am you know like so um a transformer truly this is part of who I am is is someone who is continually peeling back the layers and going into the depths um you know and it's about clearing away anything in the way of authenticity on a soul level um, you know, and it's, it's intense. Like I will buy, it's quite interesting because a lot of the, um, pupils charts who I've had the pleasure of doing, you know, who are in the wellness community, um, you know, yoga teachers are people who are, um, who, who we both know who do deep work, have the same aspect, <laughs> like, oh yes, I know what that's like. Um, but it truly is about transformation of the self. So when I had that, my chart read, I was like, okay, you know, and just realizing that it's okay. You know, it's just part of who I am. And so, um, yeah, so I decided to, so then we did my kids charts. My son has, my kids charts are amazing, but my son's chart in particular, he has a grand cross, which is uh, rare. It's um, inner tension to the max. Um, so I wanted to learn more about how I could support them and just like learn more about who they are. I find it so fascinating. And, um, you know, every chart I do, I, I am amazed, um, at the information we can pull out and, um, I can really like see someone from this objective space. So I decided to study, um, with Deborah Silverman, actually, I, I heard about her on the yoga girl podcast years ago. And I like how she, her school is very, um, step-by-step. It's like her Mercury's in Taurus. And so Mercury's communication, Taurus is like slow. You know, Taurus, <laughs> you're a Taurus. I know Taurus, I have Taurus moon. Taurus moon, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so you're Sag Sun, right? Sag Sun, yeah, Sag Libra sun, yeah. rising. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I liked that. I have, I have Taurus moon um, as well. So I like the step-by-step. -step. And uh, anyway, I did that. And then I just, I've been so incredibly excited. And um, spending a lot of time studying because I just love it. Mm. I love working with people one on one, and um, it's been really fun. And it's been so great to be offering something for people to help understand themselves better at this time. Yeah, it's so powerful. You know, astrology or human design or archetypes. It gives us kind of like a mirror to ourselves as a, as a way to liberate ourselves where we might feel like we don't understand why we show up this way or why we act this way. Um, my Pluto is above Libra, which is my rising. And so I don't know if it was when you read my chart or I've been told quite a few times, like relationship is life and death for me because mm. Pluto is there. And I have gone through my whole life where my family has been like, why doesn't it just come easy to you? Like relationship is always so intense. And it's like, Oh, well, that makes sense. You know, something that felt like, 
well, what's wrong with me? Why can't it just flow? Why is it never easy? When I was reflected that back, it's like, okay, this can be a, a key to, to liberation, you know, to understand myself and work with that, like how beautiful to learn and transform in relationship as opposed to it being like a curse or something where it feels like, why does it never just happen this way? So in my own experience, just knowing my chart or having it read like by you um, or other astrologers, it's like, this is a key to liberation where it doesn't have to keep me bound. I can learn more about myself. Yes. And I feel like it's about truly for me um, as well. It's about self-acceptance and it's about like, I can own this part of myself. Like it's okay. It's like, it's like, it gives this reflection. It gives this like being seen and having yourself read back to you. And it's like all these things you already know about yourself, but you haven't haven't seen it laid out like that. And you haven't seen how something you're doing wrong. It's just, this is actually who you are. And then always the most challenging part of the chart is the biggest gift. And it's just about reframing it. Because when you step into it, it becomes a gift. Otherwise, okay, relationship is life and death. You know, um, I've got my son in Pluto and Libra too at the same degree. And, you know, that's a great way to put it. Um, And so that sounds really hard, right? But if you, it's like, if you own it, like you just said, if you flip it and own it and say, this is, this is my learning. Like, this is my, um, this is how I go deep. And this is how I learn more about myself and become, you know, more myself Then you. it, It truly is your gift. So that's what I love too, is it's like when we own those parts of ourselves, you know, we're so conditioned to think we all should be the certain way, or, you know, we all should be the same. And then you realize like, no, actually, um, I don't need permission to be myself, but you give yourself that permission. And it's like that empowerment piece. Yeah. I love that. The shoulds, you know, there's so many shoulds placed on us by society. And this is like, no, like I can take this shit off. I shouldn't just flow in relationship maybe that'll come one day but that's not part of my path at this time that like freedom comes with that and then a greater understanding of the self and and what I came here to do I had a teacher a couple weeks ago say like you know if life is a mystery school what's it teaching you right now Mm -hmm. and life is 100% a mystery school and it's all about relationship and that gives me some context to be like okay I can go through these transformations Mm -hmm. in that and feel in like invigorated by it as opposed to like, Ooh, this is a curse that is happening to right. me. And as opposed to feeling victimized. Yeah. 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 Mm. I love that. Um, your path to, to coming into astrology and homeschooling. That's one of the <laughs> gifts of COVID. Right. <laughs> we'll yeah. for you. Um, and that depth, you know, with yoga teachers and all of that, it's like, we have gone the depths ourselves so that we can teach and show up in our authenticity. So that's so beautiful with, um, so with the planets, with your chart, what are kind of some key players that influence how you show up on the planet? And I just, I, this keeps coming into my mind, but it's like, there'll never be a chart exactly like yours or yeah. maybe thousands and thousands of years, but there's no exact blueprint of you. And so how can you work with that as your soul's like purpose and mission here on the planet? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, truly, they're all so different and even twins, right? Because they're born a few minutes apart. Um, I've been able, I've done two sets of twins and I'm so fascinated. I'm like, how does this work? Because they're opposites, but 
um, there's always a difference, a slight difference. Um, so yes, every chart is so different. So how do you work with it yourself? Um, first of all, okay, like your sun sign, everyone, everyone knows their sun sign, right? Um, most people. And it's like, so with that in and of itself, you don't need to know everything. That's what I love. And that's what I love about Deborah Silverman astrology is like, when you break it down, you know, you can, if you're just following it passively and you know some pieces of your chart, it can really support you. So first of all, you know, you can understand how transits work, for example. Um, so like, say if there's a Gemini full moon, um, you know, and a full moon is illuminating, um, it's, it's a culmination and you know you have your sun in gemini like you know that's going to impact you or like there's a say there's a solar eclipse in sag or you know um in taurus like which we just or lunar eclipse excuse me in taurus which we had in november um for all of us taurus moons like that we're going to feel that more so there's that but i think just honestly understanding your sun your moon and your rising is so helpful you know your sun is your core of who you are and and truly you can find your purpose and why you're here um just by looking at your sun your moon your rising I find it helpful to find the mercury placement as well, especially with children. So sometimes I, I do kids readings, but I'll do um, like if I just do five minutes at the end of a, a session with someone with their child's chart, I personally found that so helpful with my kids. So um, I think it's, it's great. And mercury is about communication. It's like um, how you think. So, you know, your rising is depending on what element it's in. You need to know your birth time to find your rising, but you know, you can find out what your core drive is, the core drive of your soul. Um, the rising sign changes every two hours. So it's a really personal point based on, you know, whether it's earth, whether it's water, whether it's fire, whether it's air. Um, and then also it's like we move towards our rising sign. We move towards our rising. Um, our sun's like how we show up. It's like how we shine. And then yeah, our moon's our emotional, how we find emotional security, our day-to-day -day needs. So there's so much you can, you can pull out um, so with yeah. like our rising being what we're moving towards, it's like our Dharma, right? It's like our, is that fair to say it's our Dharma? It's, it's part of our soul's path. It's part of our soul's path to express that energy. Okay. So yeah. like North node, South node. Yeah. South node is kind of the, the karmic from the past lives. Is that fair to say? Totally. So, I mean, I just did these mini readings for teams, which was super fun. Um, so that, you know, you read like for a staff party, you read your mini reading is three pages um, so that you can really kind of be seen and acknowledged by the people you work with and celebrated in that way to, to just um, specify your gifts and how your energy and how it shows up. Um, so I would do the sun, the moon, the rising and the Saturn and the north and south node. Yes. So the north and south node are really important um, and it helps us to realize our south node, like you said, it gives us an idea of where our soul is coming from, but it's also gifts we're bringing in. So that's an important piece, I believe. Gifts are bringing in what we're so comfortable with. And it's like this mastery. It's like what we've already mastered. So it doesn't mean run away from your south node. It's like take that and bring it to the north node for balance. So you can be of service. So I'm going to give mine as an example to give us some context. Um, so my south node is in Sagittarius in the 12th house. Um, it's near some other planet. So near other planets, you, it gives you some clues of like what, what your soul's experienced or like what are some areas of, of mastery for you? And mine are, mine's um, near conjunction of Jupiter and Uranus, which is like, it's a little bit offbeat and, and Jupiter is very spiritual. 
um, Sagittarius is very spiritual. The 12th house is very spiritual. So it gives, um, you know, reading a chart, it's like, okay, so you've spent time, your soul spent time in contemplation, in the search for meaning, um, in connection with spirit. You know, in the 12th house is like contemplation, solitude, all those things. So, so these are some, some gifts is this knowing. So, so I, um, I have this knowing and I, and I go strongly off of vibes. Um, my North node is in Gemini in the sixth house. The sixth house is about like your routines, your day to day, um, structure, those types of things. And, um, Gemini is like explaining it, communicating it in a way that people can understand in a very day to day way. So for me, yeah. So I was so grateful when you gave me this opportunity to come on the podcast because, um, like part of my work is to explain what I mean in a clear way. Um, whereas at times in my life, I've kind of um, maybe tuned out or uh, kept it in like the 12th house because I'm like, well, people maybe aren't going to understand or, you know, I don't have words to explain what I mean. So for me, it's like working on simplifying it. So this is a people lifetime, um, putting it in ways that are structured and, step-by-step and easy to understand and being of service and being with people um, and explaining it in those ways is important. So um, I use that as a reminder because um, even though you're bringing in the gifts of your South node, we often default there, especially when we're, you know, maybe feeling uncomfortable or challenged in some way. And then it would just, for me, it would just be tuning out, tuning out or, or thinking I know better um, with Sag, just like belief systems, right? Like not listening. Um, so it's been such an interesting process to kind of watch myself and, and how I kind of uh, vacillate on that polarity, but just knowing to continually engage and continually work on finding the structures and routines so that I can um, be of service and, and, and share, mm. share and listen and learn. Yeah. And it feels like, so it's really digestible or palatable, I think is the word where it's really easy to understand for everyday people to just yes. be like, okay, this is how I can integrate it. It doesn't have to be, you know, expansive or beyond. I can bring it in so that it serves humanity in a really easy, easy, beautiful way. Exactly. Okay. So North node, I know like for myself, I'm South node Pisces and then North node Virgo. Virgo yeah. And so it's like moving into, into service, I guess. And so how does the North node differ from my rising? Are they just completely different? So, yeah. So, so what I was describing to you with the 12th house, 12th house is Pisces, 6th house is Virgo. So there's, there'll be some similar themes there, but I believe your, um, your South node's the 5th house and your North node's the 11th house, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you kind of integrate this, the house and the sign. But when you're first learning it, I recommend just doing the sign because you're going to learn so much from the sign and don't even worry about overcomplicating it. Um, so how does it differ from the rising? So, so the rising, what I mean by moving towards it, it's not like, it's like, follow this path. It's not like, it's like, do this. It's like, it's just like, um, so if the rising is, you know, in esoteric astrology, it's the soul. It's like, and also it is like how you come across. It's kind of what you see when you walk into a room, how people see you, those kinds of things. But because um, there's this soul connection and core drive around the rising sign, it's like it's like um, moving into that energy, moving towards that. So it's just moving towards expressing that part of yourself, not necessarily um, the direction to move or like um, strategies to uh, find fulfillment and balance. So, so I think of the North and South Node too about balance because the South Node is like 
we're, we're really strong there. We're really experienced. We spin our tires. We're just like, you know, you know, Pisces is very spiritual too. And very, um, you know, there's the, on, on the low road and everything is a high and a low road, but it's like tuning out, um, you know, um, numbing out with drugs and alcohol, like all those kinds of things where you're just tapping out because it's too painful <laughs> because there's a deep sensitivity um, and a sensitivity to energy, you know, um, Pisces is the sea. So it's like this, there's no boundaries. So I think of it too, is this um, connection to energy and sensitivity there, um, which is, you know, you can think of that too as a gift, right? Like you bring that gift into the structure, the day to day so that you can, and not be of service in terms of servitude or in terms of sacrifice in any way, but just in terms of when we, when all of us step into our gifts, when all of us share our stories, like you said, we are automatically of service to ourselves, to our soul, and also to others, because um, we're being authentic, right? And like, that's where our power is. And then we show other people what that is. So it doesn't mean you're doing anything, sacrificing in any way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to clarify that. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I, I think even just like hearing, you know, with Pisces being my south node and drugs and alcohol and numbing and sobriety has been such a huge part of my path it's like yeah. oh that makes sense you know it's like we start to make sense to ourselves which sounds so weird but in a world that has been very much conditioned to keep us looking a certain way or, or showing up a certain way when we can make sense of how we're different that's yes. where liberation shows up for sure Absolutely. um what is so with the planets and I would love to touch on Venus retrograde just sure. because we're, we're starting to move into that. And yeah. when this is released, that'll be happening. So that's um exciting, but like Mars, Pluto, Jupiter, Venus, what is kind of the, the synopsis of what each planet allows and how it, um, you know, obviously they'd the, the listeners would have to get a reading to know exactly how it affects their particular chart, but mm-hmm. you know, where its placement is and how that shows up for you in life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I talked about the sun, the moon, the rising briefly, as well as Mercury. Um, like I said, Mercury's an important one as well. Um, and then, so the personal planets would be Mercury, Venus, and Mars, um, because they move so quickly. Um, and they're closer to the earth, right? So first of all, we'll talk about our, so let's so say we've done Mercury and then we'll do Mars. Um, Mars is like our assertiveness, our aggression, our, like how we're goal oriented and how we go after what we want, you know, our sexuality as well. Um, so it just gives you a feeling of how that is. And you can even back it up and talk about the elements, right? Because whether it's air, earth, fire, or water, um, you know, water is more intuitive and emotional and inward, you know, it's, it it is quite intuitive, this, this whole thing, right? Once you think about it, but fire is like, you know, it's, it's fast, it's um, more outward. And it's, um, you know, you don't think about what you're going to say, you know, so if you've got Mercury in, in Sag or in Leo or in Aries, it's like, it's quick. It's just um, instinctive. Um, And so fire, there's actually uh, an intuition as well, but um, there's like a fieriness or, or a a directness, right. With Mars in in a fire sign. Um, And then Mars in an air sign, it's like, it's like you, you use your words, communication, like the air air is all about like our, our um, intellect and, you know, um, sharing ideas, communicating, um, exchanging information. So it's like, that's how you, um, 
exchange in that way or you move towards what you want is like through your words through your thoughts maybe maybe through what you write or things like that and then earth is like very practical it's like what I do it's like what what systems what structures what routines I have like very practical and like doing something um, practical rather than um, you know maybe wallowing about it or whatever it may be um, right yeah okay so that's Mars and then um, Venus is all about what we value it's our values. It's where we bring value as well. And so often where your, your Venus is placed, it's like, that's something you love. That's something you love to do. That's what excites you and lights you up. Um, and it's about like uh, relationship. And so, you know, we, you can look to your Venus sign and be like, what are we looking, what are you looking for in relationship? You know, some people say um, for men, it'll be a Venus sign for women, it'll be a Mars sign. Um, for the opposite sex, like what you're, what you're looking for. And there's other places in the chart we can look to specifically for relationships as well, in terms of like, what's, what's a good fit or what is it that we're, we're looking for. Um, so that's Venus, you know, beauty, all those kinds of things. And you can go through the elements and just simplify it that way as well. Um, and then Jupiter. So that's, it's considered to be, um, so Jupiter and Saturn are kind of in the middle between um, the personal and the transpersonal planets, right? Cause they um, are a little bit further out. And it takes longer to move through a sign as well. Um, Jupiter takes about a year to move through a sign, so tw about 12 years to move through the whole zodiac. Um, and Jupiter is all about, you know, expansion, abundance, luck, um, belief systems. You know, uh, it's also about the archetype of the teacher. Um, but often where Jupiter is placed, it's, you know, if your Jupiter is on your sun, it's like considered to be being born under a lucky star. So it gives us this boost. It's like where... We have that positivity, you know, um, Venus and Jupiter are considered to be benefic or like planets that are supporting us, especially in traditional astrology. Um, and then Mars and Saturn are cons considered to be planets that are, um, you know, challenging us or delaying us in some way. No chart is good or bad. And truly, there's no aspect that's good or bad. It's just around how does the journey look and what is the soul working, working through and working with? Um, and then Saturn, I mentioned, is so important. It's about... It's, it's a karmic placement, right? So it's about um, where there's some sort of restriction or boundary, where things maybe don't flow. It's like where you're not in your flow state and you have some work to do around it. Um, Saturn is also around like responsibility. Um, and as we learn, so I, I think too of these Saturn cycles, it's, it's not a bad thing. If you're going through a Saturn cycle, whether it's your Saturn return or every seven years, you're going to have um, a Saturn cycle it's not anything to be scared of and it doesn't need to be a bad thing. It doesn't need to turn out how mine did <laughs> and mine wasn't bad, but it doesn't need to be traumatizing or, or whatever it may be. Like it doesn't need to meet, doesn't mean you're going to fall apart. Um, it's just like Saturn is asking us to find the boundaries and the structure to hold our light. That's how I think of it. It's like, um, it's almost like someone's coming in and knocking on your door and being like, where are you with, with, with how you, you said you'd show up and, and who you said you'd be before you came here. You know, it's like checking like in, a check in, like, check in. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, and, and if I hadn't had that experience, I would still be living in a way that was, um, you know, not authentic, like, like, and not in my power. I would be doing what uh, society, what everyone else was doing, because I felt like I should do that. So I'm just saying if I hadn't had my Saturn return, so it's like such a gift, but it helps you to find the boundaries and the structure of like, um, to hold up your light and to hold your authenticity as you move through. And the Saturn cycles get easier with time. It's also about timing. So yeah, so that's Saturn and then um, Uranus. Okay, and Uranus is the great awakener. Um, Uranus adds this element of, of unpredictability. Um, 
and you know Uranus rules electricity so it's like there's this energy around it and so for um this year the hallmark aspect has been a Saturn Uranus square we can talk about more about that what it means at the end you know but we've all felt it and we all feel it um and so where Uranus is in your chart too it can be where you are where you want to be free like Uranus is about freedom where you want freedom where you want to innovate and where you want to do things differently okay so you can look at the um the sign but because these transpersonal planets are more um, like generational because they move so slowly here it is I have to I don't have this all memorized but I think it's like 84 years to go around the whole zodiac um so people in your age range are all going to have the same Uranus placement so it gives you but but also when we think about like the generations like generation x or this or that so it kind of gives you some um some themes that people that are born around the same time uh, work with, but it's also about the house. So I always look at the house, especially with those outer planets, um, because that's gonna say where in your life um, you're looking for that freedom. The house is like where it happens, okay? It's like, um, yeah, I, maybe I can give you some visuals to share as well at the end, but um, okay. And so then we've got Neptune. Neptune is uh, an interesting one because the high vibration of Neptune is very, very beautiful. It's very spiritual, you know? Um, Neptune rules Pisces and I always think of the sea and so the sea has no boundaries um, and it, it's our connection to collective consciousness it's our connection to spirit it's our connection to higher um, ideals and visions and so it's such a beautiful um, energy um, Jupiter is moving into Pisces uh, at the end of December so that's a positive astrologers are feeling like that's a positive shift for us hopefully <laughs> just been it's so crazy be, but yeah be. and then the low vibration of neptune though is like um numbing out right drugs and alcohol we mentioned that um and then also just no boundaries literally no boundaries where you don't know who you are um and it's like any you just become your environment or you become who you're with and there's no sense of self or there's like this victimhood piece. So, so they all are on this um, continuum and there's no right or wrong. And, and I've had people come to me and be like, I'm nervous to do my chart with you because you're gonna see that I'm this bad person or like, like um, that kind of thing. And truly no astrologer can ever see how your chart's showing up for you. They don't know what you're like. They can look at your chart and talk about potentials and possibilities. Mm, there's no good or bad. So we, can all, we all live the high road and the low road at different times in our life, right? And then Pluto's the last one, Pluto's, um, rules Scorpio and it's all about transformation um, as you mentioned Pluto and Venus um, or I don't know if we talked about Venus retrograde but Pluto and Venus are conjunct three times I've already done um, their first connection Pluto is about the underworld Venus is retrograde so there's some big um, themes for us working through right now and over the next month or two but um, Pluto is about regeneration it's about cycles of death rebirth transformation it's about you know it's about the shadow really and um, Pluto's, it's like, there's this truth. So I think of Pluto like a volcano. It's like, um, I think of Pluto too, and Pluto contacts, like the healer, like a shaman. You know, Pluto's not afraid to look underneath of the rug and shine the light on the shadow and for healing and talk about what's in the closet. Um, not to dwell in it, but to clear the air. So you think about a volcano, it's like exploding to clear and purify whatever is under you know, whatever we want to keep under the rug, but it's actually running our life if we can't, you know, be honest about what it is. And then we become empowered by, but it's intense, right? Like if you've got um, any planets conjunct your sun, your moon, your rising are going to be very impactful for you. 
whatever planet rules your rising sign. Um, so for example, your uh, Libra rising, so Venus is really important for you. You know, especially this Venus retrograde will be especially important for you because you've got a Venus ruled um, rising and moon because Venus also rules Taurus. It's beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> There's so much to share. There's so much. <laughs> That's so, and I'm a priestess of the rose and we journeyed with Venus. It was the oh, descent sure. of Anana and the rise of Persephone with the whole training we we. Yeah, we we wove the the path of Venus, and it was so so beautiful. So I did love you just it. do this? It was two years ago in 2019 that I started my oh. priestess training. Yeah, it's oh, so beautiful because yeah, and the right now, so it's like Persephone, right, being brought to the underworld by Pluto. That's what's that's what's happening right now. Mm. So you probably know a lot more about that um, mythology than I do, and um, yeah, it's important. It's important work. Yeah, it's intense. That Pluto, I love. Um, with Pluto, what it felt like for me, it's bringing the unseen into the scene and it's Hades energy. It's like going right down into the underworld, excavate, excavating it all, bringing it to the scene. And until we do that, it's dictating our lives anyway. And so anything that's in the undercurrents when it's, you know, we have to bring it to, um, to the light so that it can 100%. be alchemized and transmuted into, uh, yeah, bringing the dark into the light. Okay, so when was the first Venus-Pluto conjunct? So that was December 11th. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so, and, um, you know, Venus is retrograde for 40 days and 40 nights, which is interesting. Um, and that's how the timing goes. But the first, yeah, so the first Venus-Pluto, um, the first Venus-Pluto contact was December 11th. The next one is Christmas Day. We've got some really intense astrology coming up as of now, Christmas Day. So it's five days away um, from when we're recording this. And then the next one is, I believe, March 3rd. Pluto, or excuse me, Venus is still going to be in Capricorn. So because Venus is going retrograde, she's spending way more time in Capricorn. Um, Capricorn is, is systems and structures. And so we're reviewing all of that um, with Venus retrograde. Um, so Venus went retrograde on the 19th of December. And um, we'll go direct, uh, you know, 40 days later. So January 29th. Mm, beautiful. So what can we expect with Venus going retrograde yeah, in Capricorn? Really yeah, really good question. So, you know, if you think about all the things associated with um, Venus, and so that's the beautiful thing about astrology is it's by association. So it's actually very mentally engaging too, because there's so many possibilities, but truly we can think about relationships, huge relationships. You know, people say when, um, when Venus is retrograde, it's like retrograde is like, you know, everyone talks about Mercury retrograde. It happens more often. And so we're more familiar with that term, but it's like, it gives us that all the rewords, like, like review, um, re-examine, like whatever it is that we're, we're, we're going back through the past or we're, we're seeing where we're at with that. So sometimes like a relationship from your past will come in during Venus retrograde. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get back together or whatever it may be, but it's like, um, Truly as well, there's something around values. Okay, so Venus is like around our values and around what we value. Um, sorry, and, and about our value as well, if that makes sense. So it's like your worth, um, your money, right? Actual money as well. And so um, it might be that, you know, your values have changed or you're deepening into what your values are. 
so that the relationship needs to change or, you know, that person can no longer be in your life or whatever it may be. But you're like internally, it's like we're going inwards. It's not really an outwards time where we're doing a bunch of things. Um, we're going in and we're kind of like recalibrating. It's like, where do I stand with that? Where do I stand with that energy? Um, in terms of, of finances as well, like um, it's like Capricorn is systems, right? Venus is, is finances. So think about financial systems. Venus retrograde, I mean, it's not good for money. It's not. It's, it's not. And so, you know, I think we can all feel though, there's these um, big shifts going on in our financial system. There's a few other pieces as well that we would um, connect with that. Um, one being Jupiter going into Pisces at the end of December, um, which is connected to inflation, right? And then um, the nodes are switching as well to Taurus and Scorpio. They've been in um, the North and South node have been in uh, Gemini North node, Sagittarius South node for the last 18 months. And then they're switching. Um, and Scorp, excuse me, and uh, Taurus, North node, Taurus is about our money as well. And so it, it's about um, value, like our value. And uh, it's like simplifying, right? Yeah. We've had so, so, so much. And I think we have this opportunity now to figure out like what's important and also to be accountable to our values and also an opportunity to go inwards and like re-establish and rework our how we truly feel like what are our beliefs around our worth and our value um especially i think as women in uh who work in a healing capacity often that hasn't been associated with um money right like with being able to accept money and feeling like like that service is important for people so that might be something that comes up and is like what how do i feel am i am i honoring my worth in the people I choose to be in a relationship with? Am I living in accordance with my values? And those things will be so incredibly important. And two Capricorns, like finding these systems and structures to support you, whether it's boundaries, Capricorn is also boundaries around like being with people in relationship who truly make you feel worthy, you know, or who support that, like support um, that those feelings within yourself. So it's like a rework, um, and a really inward time, but there's so many themes. So be curious to see how people experience it individually. It also depends yeah. on where Venus is um, transiting in your chart. So Capricorn, for example, like you can see where Capricorn is in your chart, what house it rules. Um, and you know, if you have Capricorn in the second house, it's about your money. So it might be like, this is, this is where you truly are checking in with like your worth and your value and, you know, being honest about your finances and um, you know, is there, you know, in Pluto too, Pluto contacting Venus, Pluto is the destroyer. Okay. So it's like, it's also, but so Pluto doesn't just destroy for the heck of it. It's like destroying the ego and not that our ego is a bad thing, but destroying whatever is in the way of authenticity and of like the soul. So the soul can emerge. Right. And so it's like, am I valuing myself? Am I valuing my work? Cause um, second house is your work too. It's like how you make your money. Um, in a way that honors my soul and feels truly authentic, you know? So, or, or, you know, maybe if Capricorn's in your se seventh house, that's one-to-one -one relationships. So that'll be like a theme for you. Or, you know, maybe it's your ninth house, which is around like steady and travel and expansion. And so it just depends too on um, where it is in your chart. Beautiful. And it's like, we can look back after this retrogrades happen and really see how the themes 
played out and how it all aligned and, and came together, but what it does like going into it, knowing where things might come up, it can be so supportive. So how you navigate the waters and what that can look like during this time or any time when these big shifts are happening on the planet. Cause we are definitely going through a big shift at the time. It feels like I know for the past couple of months for myself, like there's just this deep excavation of the underworld. So Pluto, you know, like going into the underworld, bringing it all up. And I think we're going through that on a collective level where yeah. it's like, we can move into this rebirth and how that looks and these systems crumbling. And absolutely. And to, to quickly mention um, the United States is going through its Pluto return in February. And so it's like, um, you know, literally you can make a chart for when the country was founded. Right. Um, and Pluto takes like 200 and I, I don't know exactly somewhere in the 200s um, to get around the entire chart. And so it was like 1776, right? And it's like the location and everything. Um, but so February is when the United States is going through this, like it's big, the Pluto returns coming back to that place the Pluto was um, in the birth chart of the country. And so, you know, we're not in the United States, but um, there's this there's this echo effect of what happens there, right? Like it's on the world stage too, is right. It's like this um, main power and we will all feel it, but it is truly, like you said, this destruction of systems. Um, and, and prior to rebirth, that was what needs to happen. So it's intense. It's the yeah, very Plutonic. And um, Pluto's also, you know, in the moving into the last degrees of Capricorn, you know, I think it's at 25 right now, but, um, just goes up to 30. So it'll, it'll be the, the, the next couple of years because it's such a slow moving planet as it inches through Capricorn. But we'll see these systems and structures, especially like that are oppressive, um, crumble, right? And that's what we are seeing. And two, think about Capricorn is the systems and structures and Pluto is the power. And so it's like, we've been giving our power over to these structures. And, and Pluto is, like you said, excavating and bringing to the surface that which is really there that which is running the system or running our lives. And so it, it's very, um, and it will continue to be, things will be coming out, you know, like it, it brings the dirt to the surface, you know, especially with um, the nodes in Scorpio and uh, Taurus. It's like themes around like power, sex, power over, those kinds of things um, that have been just underneath. It's this undercurrent of like perversion and um, this undercurrent of abuse, right? And we, we see these things come up in the public eye um, to witness and you know it's not easy to witness and see what's really been going on but it's it's empowering because we're moving from with Pluto's transit through the last uh, degrees of Capricorn like giving our power away to the system and finding our power within ourselves it's like from external to internal structures of power and so I think that's too around this Venus and Pluto connection it's like finding the strength that Capricorn gives like these systems and structures and finding that that what is really true when it comes to our our values and what kind of boundaries do we need in place to support ourselves um, so that we can be really in line and solid with that as we move through this incredibly transformational time. Well, it's exciting to see what happens. It's like it's such an exciting time on the planet. Also, there's a lot of fear going on and all that kind of stuff, but it's like like, what is this bringing for us? Because we're so ready for yes. something new. So, so ready for it. And so the Taurus Scorpio, that lasts for another 18 
months. Is that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> so the eclipses will be on the Taurus and Scorpio um, okay. axis. And so, and so those parts of your chart will also be lit up for the next 18 months. So wherever Taurus is and wherever Scorpio is, the um, eclipses are going to be lighting up those houses. So each house is an area of life, you know, whether it's like the self, like I talked about the second house, the third house is like communication. The fourth house is your home, the fifth house is, so we can go through them all, but um, that'll be interesting to observe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would love to talk a little bit about our charts and relationship. And so specifically the Mars Venus, this was something I'd never heard of until recently, just when you're calling in your ideal partner or with Mm -hmm. your ideal partner and how that Mars Venus um, shows up in relationship. Yeah. So there's, it's so fascinating. Um, There's a few different places we look in relationship, right? So what I would look for first would be, you know, so like I said, I've heard some astrologers use Mars for women and Venus for men um, or just Venus for everyone. Cause Venus is around relationship and value. So you can kind of feel into which one feels, um, like a fit. So it would be um, just Venus to, for, sorry, it's just to yes. break that down. So like, so like a woman's trying to be like a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for a man. I would look at where my Mars is placed. Right. For, look right? at your Mars and your Venus and feel because it can be done both ways, which feels like resonates. My Mars and Venus are in the same sign. So I, like it's both the same. But that is something that we are looking for in relationship, okay, um, that we might be attracted to. And then if you look at your chart, there's another place you can look. So you'll see on the left, there's your rising sign, okay, the, start at the beginning of the first house. And then the opposite of that will be the cusp. It's, it's called the DC, but it's the line along the horizon just on the right side and into the seventh house. That'll be the cusp of... Um, your seventh house. And that's about one-to-one relationship. Okay. So that is another place you can look. So if you want to just be super basic and simple, just look to your Venus sign. Um, Yeah. Or your Mars sign. Um, So for example, I'm going to give you an example. Um, My husband's uh, Venus is in Scorpio. So even though he's not, um, he's not necessarily into healing work on his own. He's looking for a woman of depth um, who's gonna take him to those places, like a soulful woman who's like gonna talk about what's true and going to go into the soul work. Um, And then, you know, it's interesting because my um, Mars and Venus are in Virgo. So I'm like looking for someone who can do the details for me and like the grounded stuff and not necessarily for me, (laughs) I should have said that, but, you know, can be there to like the practical day-to-day stuff, which he does. Um, the other place you can look is the sign that that is on your seventh house cusp. Okay, so for you, you're a Libra. All you have to know is the opposites, the polarity. So you're a Libra. So yours is going to be Aries, okay? When you look at your chart, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is it's like we're looking for our opposite, right? Because mm-hmm. if your soul yeah. is, is a Libra and that, that's how you come across, you're looking for your opposite to ground you and balance you. Um, so you'd look to where your Mars is because Mars rules Aries and that is what you're looking for in relationships. I, I don't know if that's getting too complicated. So, okay. My Mars is in Capricorn. No, Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Virgo in the 11th, right? Virgo. And so my opposite is Aries from my rising, but Aries is in the sign. No, okay. I got confused. No worries. No, that, 
<laughs> I know where we're going with this. So you can look at your Mars period. Okay. okay. Let's go with that. Let's go with women. Look at your Mars sign. Men look at your Venus sign. Okay. And is like it the sun it. sign or is it the moon or the rising? Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to like go around and ask like every man for their chart. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the new thing on dating apps or something. Just, I don't do those. Yet. Yeah. on the dating app, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be great? Um, <laughs> That'd be I the love best. That. I love yeah. that. But no, um, we're not going to do that. But you know, it doesn't mean literal. Like my husband's not a Virgo. It just means he actually has Saturn on his ascendant. He doesn't have any earth, but he's very responsible. So he does the things which I want him to do. So it's good. It just means I want a grounded man who's going to do the things. It doesn't mean he needs to have a Virgo anything. It just means that's what I want. So for you, this is, this is cool because A, we can look at your um, Mars. Your Mars is in Virgo. You know, you've got a lot of energy in Virgo. Your North Node's in Virgo, but your Saturn's in Virgo. So Virgo is like something for you to work with, right? Um, and then you've got your Grand Trine you're in earth that's connected to Virgo. So you've got this like, so for you, you probably, maybe you tell me, want a man to do the things as well, to do the practical, the grounded, the, you know, Virgo is also the healer, you know, in connection to the earth. So how does that land for you? Yeah. Very earth, like grounded, almost like the, the, the space for me to dance, like that very contained energy, a very like masculine earthy man yes. is yes. yeah my beloved Such a, and it's like that's how you can explore and that's how you can expand because you want someone to hold down the details I don't mm. really understand with that but you know yeah. and the other thing I was saying if you want to go a little deeper for those that are listening you have some base more basic astrology knowledge and you have your chart in front of you look to the um, sign that's on your seventh house cusp and it's going to be opposite your rising. Okay. So Lisa is Libra rising. So her opposite is Aries. I don't even have her chart in front of me, but I just know that those are opposites. You can Google that. Um, I need to know the ruler of Aries. Okay. So this is getting a little bit more um, deeper into it, but I know that Mars rules Aries. Again, you can Google this. So when we, if we're like, okay, what is Lisa looking for in a relationship? Um, we look at where Mars is what house Mars is in. And it's like, what area of life that will support her with? And Mars is in Lisa's, and I happen to know this because we, we did your chart a while ago, um, is in your 11th house, right? And 11th house is in, um, like, it's like about bigger groups. It's about community. It's about like, like like-minded groups who are working together with a common vision for humanity. So for you, you're, you're not wanting a man to be doing his own thing and whatever. You want him to be like part of the community and like um, someone who's involved. And is that true? Hmm. Yes. What came to mind for me was like part of this community that I'm creating. So I definitely chopping the firewood, <laughs> building things, supporting the community in that way. Um, but not necessarily in my work with me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's what that, that's what that. He's feels. doing the Virgo things for the community. <laughs> yes. Yes, the very Virgo things. Totally. And then, the, you know, there's other things we can look at too. Like, um, we won't do that today, but, you know, um, if someone comes and is like, okay, well, I'm looking at relationship, then we can also pull up the asteroids in the chart. And there's Juno, and Juno is about committed relationships. So we can look at the house. Um, you know, and so for Mars too, if I was looking at your chart and going a little bit more deeper, we'd look about like, what are the aspects to Mars? And is Mars being supported by this energy or this archetypal energy that you're holding? Or is it in, in a conflict? Or like, how is that for you? How is the flow of energy um, moving to that space? So, so there's other ways that we can interpret it, but also, and you can find out 
a lot through the basics. And that's kind of what I did initially with my kids charts and husband. And that's basic stuff is kind of what, what I stick with because I find it super helpful. Beautiful. So it's, there's so many layers to it. It's like you start and then you untangle or, or unravel and unravel yes, absolutely. The different layers and come to these spaces. Cause I know if you just want to touch on this, like Juno plays yeah. a part, Juno plays a part in relationship Yeah. as well. And what does that look like? So Juno is an asteroid, um, who is, um, about committed relationship. And the beautiful thing with the asteroids is there's these, these this is mythology around each of them and the archetypal energies that they're holding. Um, and based on their placement um, in, in the sign and house, it kind of tells us, you know, really your Juno is like committed partnership. So it might not be as much in terms of what you find sexy or like what you're drawn to, like that'd be more the Venus or the Mars. Um, the Juno is like, what's a, what's the support of, fit for you in one-on-one relationship, right? Um, in committed partnership as well, you know, and then say we could say we go deeper into it. It's like, okay, say if your Venus, say if a man's Venus is squaring his Juno, there might be some discord or tension between what works in committed relationship and what really turns, turns him on. Um, so there's so many intricacies we can look for in the chart as well. It doesn't mean you can't find a committed partnership that does both. It just means um, it can give us some, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like it gives us this, oh, it's okay. It's okay that it's like that because it's just something we're working through. Mm. Um, we're working on, we're working to balance that piece. Yeah. Yeah. We're working through that in our, in this lifetime, whatever it might show up as so okay beautiful oh I love I love that it's so fascinating and the other thing um can I just expand a teeny bit on the relationship piece yeah what I find helpful okay so the other thing if you're looking in relationship is like um if you have opposite moon signs I feel like that's important because if your moon is how you um like your emotional needs and how you create and experience emotional nourishment and nurturing. Um, if they're opposite, it's just helpful to know, right? So it, like, and that's not anything that's hard to find. Like just like go to astro.com, put in your birthday, um, your sun, your moon, your rising, or your big three, just helpful to know, especially if you follow along on Instagram or wherever with like um, different kind of transits and just different pages that pop things up and you know, those things will be helpful. But um I find that to be a helpful one to know so that you can start to understand your partner a little bit better and be like, Oh, they're just, they're just coming from a different place or, or they're just, they have a different need right now. And I think too, with my kids and their charts, it just helps me understand their inner process better so that I can be more compassionate and understanding of them. You know um, I wish everyone just like had their chart, you know, with them when you meet them, because it, it's really helped me to see people I know and love and be like, Oh, like, that's just, that's the, something that's hard for them. That's like an area of um, sensitivity for them. You know, whether it's like their Saturn squaring their Venus. So it just feels like feeling loved and accepted is just not something they naturally feel, or it's just a, it's just a sensitive point or whether it's, um, you know, say their moon's in Leo and it's like for them feeling seen and celebrated and encouraged is so important. And they just, they need that um, acknowledgement um, and so you can just understand that like, they're not, their energy isn't wired the same way mine is, you know, we kind of assume that everyone's is and my husband and I have opposite moon signs and it's just like helpful to realize like, you know, 
he has a different need than I do. Um, you know, mine's in Taurus, so I want to have my pantry stocked and like have all the things, you know, held down and organized. And you know, his is in Scorpio. So he's like, Scorpio is very, very, very private, Scorpio moon, and very deep. And, you know, Scorpio too is about um, like soul level connection and merging with the other. So like, you know, just like sex is the thing, right? For Scorpio moon, it's like wanting to connect with another, but maybe not feeling safe to be vulnerable. Um, and then I just wanted to give another quick example. Like my daughter has her moon in Gemini and I have so much Sag, Sag rising and Sag makes everything mean something. It's like looking for the deeper questions, finding meaning and that's all great. But Gemini is about, um, it's just about talking and exchanging information, but you can change your mind. There's a shiftability. It's a, it's like a, a shiftable, changeable sign. So for me, it's been really helpful to realize like if she's telling me how she feels, it doesn't have to be like an existential crisis. Like I don't need to make it mean anything about me or her or anyone. I can just listen. And when she gets it out, then she's like thinking about something else and she's moved on. Now she feels something different. So just to understand like how you work with other energies, I find can be helpful in relationship with those people you love. So like, even if you are interested, you can find out, you know, their sun, moon, they're rising and even look at your whole families and be like, okay, are they in the same element? Like, you know, do we both ground through um, earthy practical things, you know, to be both ground through through action and fire or whatever it may be but yeah it's also fascinating mm, I love that you just gave me some clarity on myself speaking about sad rising because I'm sad sun and I have to figure out meaning in everything like every little sign nugget from the universe what does that mean what does that mean and so <laughs> I've learned through my own healing journey to I still ask everybody else for sure what does it mean but also to look within and be like well what does it mean for me and just at trusting. this time, what does it mean for me at this time? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And trusting that, trusting that gave me some, like, it doesn't always have to be like, yeah, I a hundred percent resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Love. Is there anything else that you want to touch on quickly? I feel like we dove into so many things there and yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that expansive conversation. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Um, no, I just wanted to say in terms of transits, I was looking at my chart um, a couple of days ago and I saw that the North Node is currently transiting my Chiron in Gemini in the fifth house, which is about your soul moving towards, um, it's like using your words, right? Like being heard and sharing your story around your pain. Um, you know, and our North Node helps us to be of higher service. So it was just so neat that you asked me to be on the podcast right now because it felt like it was a connection to that um, transit. And yeah, I'm really grateful for the opportunity oh, to share. Oh, I love that. I love that connection. It's never, it's never by mistake. That's yeah. the, the word. Okay, I'm going to close with a couple questions here. So what was the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? Um, so I think the biggest part of like going through all the pain was realizing I don't have to hide from pain. And um, I have this image of a tree and I know I sent you a quote. I don't even know what it is exactly. Um, <laughs> can't remember it, but it's about, um, it's like the deeper the tree's roots go, the higher its branches. So it's like the more depth and the more sorrow and the more you let yourself come apart and be in the experience of life, um, the more joy you can hold. Um, so it's Love like that. not trying to control it as much. Yeah. The quote I have it here is the okay. deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And it's like, um, 
you know, the deep, the, the more dark, the great, the greater the darkness, the greater the light that the, like the more willing we're allowing ourselves to go into this human experience, the greater the pain, the greater the joy, like we can all experience all facets of it as opposed to like, I know my personal experience, I was numb for so many years. So you're not, you're not experiencing the depths. You're just kind of in the middle zone. So it's like, yeah, that depth is so potent and powerful. Thank you. And then the next question, how do you experience the mysteries and how do you root to rise? That's a beautiful question. Um, So for me, every day, um, I have a prayer and meditation practice that's really important to me. Um, And there's little things we do in our home. You know, our kids are part of it and uh, children are so naturally attuned and connected and they haven't been conditioned to... um, to doubt themselves and their connection to spirit. Um, so it's such a beautiful thing to have that in the home, but you know, we do blessings before we eat and, um, little rituals. Um, also being in nature is the biggest one really, um, especially with trees. So I love to walk. We have a ravine in the back. So I love to walk in the ravine and, um, yeah, that's what really brings me the most peace. Beautiful. I love that. Nature is such a teacher and just that, you know, the mysteries are all around us and nature just opens it up. It's like, we're, they're always there, but oftentimes we don't see them. And the nature is like, Hey, you're, you're part of me, your nature too. Like let's, um, you know, commune and, and work together in this beautiful process we call life. So, okay. Thank you, love so much for being Thank you, with Lisa. me. Yes. And I will put all the links and all the beautiful stuff. So people, can follow you and look at all the magic that you're putting out into the world and yeah, sending you so much love. Thank you. And thanks so much again. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix rising podcast. Please like share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix rising podcast. Sending so much love.